When I got fired from the company I started. Wow. From Sony. I couldn't have been more depressed, more than I didn't get out of bed for two, three fucking days. My wife at the time calls Heavy D. They were like brother and mm -hmm. sister. Wow. Hef comes to the house with my dad. Smacks me in the face. Not, you know, yeah, like, like, like anybody smacks you, man. <laughs> nah, <laughs> just Damn. Nah. smack this guy, yo. Nah, you know, and he said, This should be the best day of your career. You've been asking for this day for years. Because I, I was miserable being at Sony. Go in the shower, let's go to lunch. And he, like, and he motivated me. The next day, I did a deal with Universal, started a new company. Two weeks later, Instead of feeling sorry for myself, I found an artist by the name of Akon. All right, hello, another episode of Hot Boxing with who? Mike Tyson. And I'm who, kid? And who we have here today, our guest, who's the founder of Loud Records, who brought us Wu-Tang, my brother, Stephen Refkin. What's, What's up, Mike? What's going on, brother? How What's you doing, going? man? Everything is amazing. Tell me, who would you think about us having this brother here with <laughs> How us long today? is this podcast going to be? Like five hours? This guy is well, like hip-hop. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> we're going to have a good time. So tell us, man, how you get involved with this? How did I get involved? And yeah, this music. I grew up in the music industry. My dad owned, owned a label called um, Spring Records, which I was just telling Cool Kid earlier, which put out the first rap record of all time. It was, Sugar, no, um, it wasn't Sugar Hill Gang. It was Fatback Band, King Tim Third. The record came out two months before Sugar. So it's technically the first, the first commercial hip hop record ever. Really, wow. I was in I was in Spofford when I first heard it. Oh, it was really? On the radio, they was like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> Holy shit! What was <laughs> that? Yo, did you hear that all day? Yo, did you hear that rap? Hip hop, the hip hop. <laughs> um, I got more cars and more girls in my home, and we couldn't um, we couldn't put it in chronological order at that time. Mm. But we knew it was something special. Because everybody was in the bathroom going crazy. What was the, yo, man, you heard that? You heard this? And um, that was the first time I ever so, heard hip-hop. So do you remember um, BLS? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. so, BLS, but you hear. So with Frankie Cracker. So um, oh wow. I'm in the car. I, I grew up in Long Island. And they said, yeah, Fatback Band, you know, new single. And I knew the Fatback Band was my dad's artist. And I was like... What what type of record is this? I it was I I grew up in Long Island, and um, I said that I just heard this record, Fatback Band, but you know I don't know what type of record it was. He goes, yeah, it's 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 called rap music, and I was like, all right. And it was in September, and then Sugar Hill came out like sometime in October, no, November, and the rest is history. Yeah, man. So tell me what was that ride like, man? Tell us, talk to us about you, talk to these people. Um. So I grew up in Long Island. You know, I was majorly dyslexic. What part, what part of Long Island? Merrick, Long Island. So um, I was majorly dyslexic. I didn't know how to read or write until I was 14, 15 years old. So I was getting in trouble um, just looking for attention. Not, I didn't need money. I, I grew up okay. And, um, but I was robbing, stealing. And um, my grandfather... Um, who was a pretty tough guy, moved down to Florida, and he called me. I was 18 years old, and he said, um, I need you to jump on a plane, Eastern Airlines, and I got to talk to you. 
And I'm saying to myself, and he was the only person, beside God, he's the only person I was ever truly scared of. Oh, wow. And I was like, what the fuck did I do? I know what I did, but I was like, how the fuck did he find out? And um, he says, two things are going to happen to you. You're going to end up dead or you're going to end up in jail. He goes, why don't you go work for your father? And I'm like, my father runs from me every time he sees me. He's like, you mean there's nothing more? He goes, I'll talk to him. I'm like, that's it? He goes, yeah. So I'm like, all right. I go back to New York two weeks later. Okay, there are no cell phones. There's no GPS. There's nothing, right? The house phone rings. He goes, pick me up. I'm landing at 3.30. And um, I pick him up at the airport, 3.30. He goes, we're going into the city. And, I, and I'm saying to myself again, what did I do wrong? Like, in my mind. And um, we go straight to my dad's office, which was on 54th Street and 7th Avenue. And um, they explained to me what they want me to do. They said, we're going to send you on the road and you're going to visit radio stations and you're going to go get your records played and we're going to try two weeks. And my dad was partners with my uncle, his older brother, who had a huge temper. And he says, if you fuck up, I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Screaming at the top of his fucking lungs. God Ooh. damn, that's really inspiration to really chill out. Um, Still didn't chill out though, huh? Nah, so I fly back to Florida with my grandfather. Don't forget, there's no GPS. You have to read a map. I'm dyslexic. I just learned how to read three years ago. So me reading a map is... There's <laughs> like no, the paper map. Like, like the paper map. Yeah, Make it clear. There, there, it's the paper there's, map. There's, there's, there's no fucking way I'm going to be able to do that, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> I would call this, the stations. I had like $20 worth of quarters and I would call the radio oh, station. Shit. How do I get? Forgot about those days. How, how would I get from, you know, 99 jams in Miami to JMH in Orlando? I'm just, you know, whatever it was. And I would literally write the directions longhand. Two weeks, I loved it so much, turned into three and a half years where I zigzagged across the country, visiting every radio station in the world. <laughs> The issue was I was 18 and I was visiting people who were in their 40s, program directors, and I really didn't want to hang out with them. So I would go back to the colleges. Oh, wow. And I would go to the college radio stations. And from there, that's how I started putting the street team together. Mm. Um, and we would talk music. We were all the same age. We talked music, sports, girls. It was never really about money. It was always about music, you know, something like that. And just the passion. And I fell in love with it. And they said, it's time to come home. I'm like, nah, I'm staying on the road. Just keep on sending me records. Yeah, you just got turned out, huh? Yeah, and it kept me out of trouble. And it, and it got me focused. So you indirectly created a blueprint for marketing without even like, because you did it first, so. Well, I own the Name Street team. Holy shit. So, and that's really, I mean, it was really just a form of grassroots. And, you know, from there, I met a girl who lived in, she was from Brooklyn, but she moved out to LA. She's an actress, she was on head of the class. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm actually like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you saw Mike, yeah. Like, so, oh, and that, that, Mike, that's where we met for the first time. Wow. Um, Are you serious? So, that I, is crazy. I, dated, I dated Kimberly Russell, the other black girl. The other black girl. And, you, and my best friend was Brian Robbins. Wow. You have a, such an interesting life as well, huh? 
He was actually bigger back then too, right? You were like no, I, no, I was as skinny as my son. I know, I really, was yeah, say, I, I was as skinny as my son. I I gained the weight when I got the. When you got to, oh, okay. So when I was with you, that's when you were like bigger, and then now yeah. you're back to normal. <laughs> it was crazy, man. And what yeah. else? What was going on? So, I moved out to LA. You never, you didn't go to Russia with us. Nah, no, I'll tell you why. <laughs> why? Because it was a Jewish holiday. Okay. And okay. I and I had to um, go see my mom. Okay, I can dig it. I can but dig it. Russia so, okay. was a good trip, but I have that picture of you and Brian sleeping with you guys, with, like both passed the fuck out. Yeah, shit, that's history, right? Yeah. I don't even feel like that never even happened. Wow. That's crazy that you and Mike was like in the beginnings of anything that had to do with rap or hip hop. Like y'all both were like, I mean, when I when you guys were interviewing Bill, I mean, you were I mean, you were the hip hop champion. Like you were the first one, the first real athlete. Period. Yeah. That really. You know how that happened? You know how that happened? Um, I used to when I was upstairs in Casco, and that's like 125 miles from New York City, north. So when I was up there training, after I finished training on the weekend. Or else I had a fight, and after the fight was over, I would always come back to New York City. My friend would drop me off, and they would go where they had to, had to go. So I was, um, I would say, always let me off of that in quarter, because it was always the weekend I came to the city. Oh, wow. And you couldn't wear the Jordan. Well, you could probably wear Jordans. Anybody who wore Jordans, no. they, they would get robbed. No, they would rob me like crazy. <laughs> but listen, this is what I want to say. This is what I want to say about what he has said. What? So I'm in that place. Everybody comes up to everybody I know I was locked up with and Spafford and juvenile centers upstate. Mm. I was all locked up with these guys. So everybody's like, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, what's up, Mike? So I would always go there alone. And I even could remember where even in Brownsville, you, you went to a hip-hop bebop. That was wild. That was whack. That was trouble back then. That was all these crazy guys went to rap and mm -hmm. hip-hop stuff. And, that, and they were right. Because all the people I knew there, I met them from being incarcerated as children and stuff. And so I saw that being an outlet. Once they see me start becoming kind of famous, had these big cars, these big houses, and, and they saw that there. stuff, yeah. and everybody started finding something to get on with. And wow. that's what it's, when, that's why when I, when I was in that institution, I saw Muhammad Ali, I said, wow, I want to be like him. And listen, these guys were making raps, and they were successful, you know. When I was 1988, who's the biggest rapper in the world? 86, say 86, 85. Uh, to me, I want to say, is Eric B and Rakim? Well, listen, you say something like that. How much money do you think they made in their biggest in New York City? A guy like me, I was back then I was making 20, 18 million dollars. So I'm doing whatever I want. Mm. And I don't have nobody got a chain on me. Say, hey, Mike, come back. That's just a little bit too much. My, hey, Mike, come back. Mike, oh. that's safe for the future. They said, but I didn't want to hear that shit. I won't put my money in no damn bank. You <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you no. crazy? I want it in yeah. my house. I want to just blow it yeah. all every second of it. You know, I'm an extremist. Like he said, he's dyslectic. I'm an extremist. I want to do it till I die. Wow. You know, that's just the way I am. I just, it's, it's all out. You do it all for the day. All out. All out. Sheesh. All out. But he gave the stamp. You gave a lot of stamps out there. Like by you physically being at these events or these locations, like you stamped. No, it. listen. They stamped me as well. Okay. You know, um, one hand washed the other. But you but you didn't hide behind anybody. So, I mean, that's what made, to me... Well, that's who the hip-hop guys were. Yeah, but, but that's what made you a great champion, right? You know, 
it's like a few years ago, I took my kids on vacation to the Bahamas, right? And at the cabana next to us was Magic, right? So Magic touched every kid that came to say hello, take a picture. The only time that he ever really wanted to be left alone when he was having lunch with his wife, Cookie. Otherwise, he touched whoever needed, whoever asked to be touched, you know, and, and spoke to. Smile, take a picture, come to the basketball court, you know. And that, to me, was part of your personality that made you just so great. Forget about, you know, the athleticness. I'm just talking about you as a person, which was incredible. I don't know. Um, fortunately, it comes with the job, you know. But I like to think. This is what I would like to think. I would like to think um, we were just street guys, and that's where the respect came from. We were all criminals. We were robbers. We were stick-up. We were burglars. Mm -hmm. Some of us are murderers, but we're everything. But we all know each other. That's just what it is. So, um, wow. Crazy. Yeah, it is. Some guys, you may think of animals, they're my best friend. Wow. Just the way it, it is. It is. I mean, you, you know, the one thing my dad and my grandfather always taught me is you treat a person how they you treat you. You treat you, yeah. And how they treat you, right? So you, you could be a, a serial killer. And, but at the end of the day, if you're treating me with respect and honor, I'm going I'm to treat you the same way. Oh, yeah. Um, I like that too, but I have a long list of people I hung out with. People think I'm an animal. We just oh, have different shit. relationships with them. You know, we just have different relationships with them. Was it more fear back then with you? Like, with uh, fear was first. Now the fear all, is kind of like scattered around. Life is all fear and love. Okay, that's what it's all about. Oh, it was just those two right there. Mm -hmm. Oh, you shit. get the there's a, th there's a thin line, once right? You listen, once you're in love, you get scared. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that bitch. You know, you know, as soon as you're in love, you scared. Oh, shit. I'm going to do this shit. I'm digging her. But then I just met her and I love her, but I was what about the girl I was with before. <laughs> man, oh, shit. So it's just, um, yeah. love is very scary. Yeah. Very scary. And so once you overcome that level of love, um, it's not as scary. And then what gets scary is that uh, uh, um, confrontation over little small things. And as you get older in your relationship, you realize we don't sweat the small things anymore. Oh, wow. But that's most, most um, destruction that marriage starts with the smallest little thing. Once you get over that smallest thing, because this is love. When you first meet your wife and you get married, you screw love, passion, all day, all love. Can't fix it. Can't stop passion, passion. And then it comes a time where you don't do it that much. And then we gotta take care of business. And that's what it's all about. We 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 there's time for that, it's time for sex, it's time for love, and it's time for business. Mm. Time for um enterprise, taking care of our family, watching our children grow. I'm sure Rifkin can relate to that, running labels, running artists. Like, did you have like a normal like I mean, being like an exec is like you sacrifice a lot of life. No, but no, it's not before I'm sorry to interfere. This is the first thing you have to notice. What I do for anything, whatever you do, it's like a narcotic. Once you, once that camera get on me, once people mm. say, hey, you look great on television, what? Then you get conscious on your appearance on television. Then you get once that happened, that's the drug. Television, the camera, it got us. Addiction. Yeah, it got us. You got a phone, right? Then you should be playing Raid, Shadow Legend. Otherwise, you're missing out. Raid is also available on PC as well as mobile. 
Raid's got something extra special happening now. They've released the legendary champion based off MMA and pro wrestling legend Ronda Rousey, the Ronda Rousey, as well as taking on dragons and ice golems at her bare fists. Ronda's backstory is pretty cool, taking some inspiration from her background in combat sports. You can get Ronda for free right now, whether you're new or a longtime player. Just by logging into Raid, all you got to do is log in and play Raid for seven days between now and February 20th, and Ronda's yours. That's all there is to do. To celebrate Ronda's arrival, you can use the promo code RAIDRONDA to get a bunch of useful in-game items to help level her up. Just enter the promo code in-game and all the goodies will be sent straight to your inbox. And to kick off the new year, there's a fresh raid update with a bunch of new features, man, including a new season of the Forge Pass, all your artificers, the Plurium Points program where you can earn in-game goodies. That was a good word, player. I know. Including a legendary champion and more. Speaking of champions, Mike, there's a whole batch of cool new ones coming this month as well. I can't wait to try them all out, man. I just can't wait. In preparation for Raid's fourth anniversary later this year, this month sees the launch of the anniversary Titan event. This new type of event lasts for several weeks and will see you earning anniversary points by competing in special themed events. There are some truly amazing rewards up for grabs for taking part in this marathon event. So don't miss out. To all the new players, it's time to vote on your favorite starter champion. Download Raid from the link below. Copy your in-game player ID, then go to championselect.plarium.com, enter your player's ID, then vote for your chosen champion. This vote runs from January 16th to February 10th, with all the eligible entrants being in with the opportunity to win awesome in-game and real-life prizes, including epic and legendary champions, in-game items, and even Amazon gift cards worth up to $1,000, man. Once the vote ends on February 10th, one champion will be crowned the winner, and the prize winners will be selected via a draw. And don't worry if you're an existing raid player, you can still get involved. Just head to the championselect.plarium.com and you can find a special promo code that everyone can use for a small in-game gift. But there's more. New players use my link or scan the QR code right here and get free starter pack with this cool in-game loot. You will find your reward here in your inbox for the next 30 days only. I mean, having a first hit record, you know, you winning the championship, me having my first gold record, wow. right? I mean... And, and then when you go out, people feeling you, you right? You, you get addicted to it. I mean, it was like... I had um, Wu-Tang's first album released, 36 mm -hmm. Chambers. We had... It was at Webster Hall. And... I don't know. I used to have hair down to here. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, that Rick Rubin shit going on back then. <laughs> And, you know, the next night, you know, there was a Stretch Armstrong's yeah. DJing at a party. And um, I met the mother. She ended up being my wife, but also the mother of my children. 
Oh, wow. I mean, and she was, you know, a top, top model, supermodel. And I was, I mean, it is an addiction. I mean, having some form of success is worse than crack. Yeah. Because, because, wow. because to me, they don't, they don't teach you. Well, they might teach you in college. I didn't go to college and like, I didn't know how to read or write. So nobody said, this is what you got to do with this, that, or whatever. Um, and I wouldn't, I was stubborn where I didn't listen. Like I said, I was petrified of my grandfather and my father and uncle never really sat down and, and spoke to me because they didn't want to deal with me. And they ran businesses like back then that's similar to what you were doing. That's crazy. I mean, they owned a company called Spring Records. So, that's crazy. I mean, they, my dad discovered James Brown. Yeah. I mean, I just showed you the video. Wow. <laughs> they didn't want to, they didn't want to like huh? give you like any like blueprint or any like ways of like. Nah, the, the only blueprint that my dad really said is you treat people how you want to be treated. And if they treat you funny, you move on. That's crazy. So everything you got was first. Every like impulse was like you selling like going going gold is or platinum or whatever. You were like you got everything first. Everybody's getting it now, and then everybody's like, whatever. I did. I sold a million and whatever. I'm cool. Or you got to sell like ten million now or diamond or some shit to be like. But back then, you'd had the core initial innocence of hip hop. Like yeah, I mean, like everybody was chasing as everybody was going right and trying to chase radio. I was going left and chasing the streets, mm. right? I have a corny saying, the streets don't lie, right? So it doesn't matter what street you're on. You could be on 125th Street or Rodeo Drive. Whatever your foundation and base is, it is. How many times have you read a review about a movie or a restaurant that the restaurant is saying, oh, the food is the best food in the world and the food's garbage, or it's the worst restaurant in the world and the food's amazing. The movie Shawshank Redemption, one of my favorite movies, that movie was dead on arrival. Wow. It got killed in the reviews three years later. It, it came back and it's, to me, it's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I mean, you and Mike take chances in a lot of things in life. Like, a lot of the artists you signed, you took a lot of chances. Like, people were not, yeah. people were like, what the fuck is Steve doing? The bigger yo? the chance, the bigger the reward. Like, Bob Deeb, Bo's Def, like, how, how did you, like, believe in those guys? Like, now we look at numbers, we look at stats, streaming, and then, and that really don't really, like, account to, like, success. I mean, streaming, you, you could look at, but but everything else to me is bullshit, right? Wow. To me, you, you still, you still got to, you still got to touch, you still got to feel it, you still got to smell it, right? So, with Mob, it was like, I know I needed a follow-up something that could go hand in hand with Wu. So have, and Prodigy was in the hospital. Um, you know, he was sick yeah, himself. So Av comes to the meeting and they went to the bathroom to smoke. And this is like, you know, in the fire, with the, uh, the, smoke, <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, water, you know, from the, you know, from the ceiling department, right? So I guess they must've smoked a blunt in the bathroom. And we were in RCA's offices <laughs> oh, and all of a sudden the alarm goes off and like everything like that. And I was like, all right, these guys, <laughs> I mean, it was like, this would, be, I mean, it was a funny scenario, but from there, like my, my two, a&R guys at the time, I felt nobody was better. I mean, Maddie C, who discovered mm, Biggie. Yeah, that's right. And Scott Free. Um, Scott Free, wow. Right? So they said, we got to sign the guys. And we signed it. And we didn't put out a record until we felt the record was right. Don't forget, Shook One's Part 2, there was a Shook One's Part 1. Yeah, the original one, yeah. Right? Which did okay, but we brought it right back in. They said, something needs to change. 
have went back into the lab, and that's when Chick Wins Part Two came out. Wait, wait, when that song came out, Mike, you know, the violence was crazy. Which one? Yeah, when Shook Ones dropped, that was one of those records that when they came out of the club, man, it's like shootouts. He, he had that was the beat he used to battle somebody. Yeah, he didn't yeah. battle them on it. You know, yeah, what I mean? he Mike, didn't battle on it. Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, he should have battled on that one. That's the track he should have battled people on. <laughs> <laughs> Even right now, I see some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dollar <laughs> business. I, I just don't know how Steve handled all the street elements of what comes with like well, signing those kind of artists. I don't like know. You have you have the people who's familiar with the streets on mm-hmm. your team, but these, but he had artists that had real street shit going on. Like, how did you balance that? Did you have to call the enemies? Did you have to like? I mean, you're, you're the mediator, so you were cool back then. You were the cool I, I guy. mean, listen, you know when the whole East Coast West Coast stuff. Like, Pac was my roommate. What? Like. On his first album, we lived together. Like, we would go on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He was living in, up in the Bay, but Interscope was, he wasn't signed to Death Row at the time. He was signed to Interscope through a guy, by name of Atrium Ga- by a guy by the name of Atrium Gregory. So he would stay with me. Wow. So when the whole East Coast, West Coast thing was really going on, I'm at House of Blues one day. I got a bald head. I get smacked in the head. So, right? <laughs> so, right? So you don't know if it's a friendly smack or if it's like a real smack. <laughs> and I look, and it's him. And he goes, you don't say hello? Oh, I'm shit. like, man, I don't know where I stand with you. He goes, you tell those two guys, man, I'm just trying to be relevant. <laughs> so he, he wasn't really beefing. I mean, you, yeah. you knew him much better than I did. The guy had a heart of gold. Well, give me a When you say we remember, they must have been an awesome guy. Give me a stay there. I mean... He had a heart of gold. He really did. Like, I had an office no bigger than this table, my first office, right? He would come to the office every single day, every time we were in town, and he would help me pack records. Wow. And he would sign the letters himself. Like the wax, he'll put it in the... In the yeah, we would, yeah, we'd what? be there, yeah. He just, um, <laughs> in all actuality, Pac, Pac is the kind of guy... If you say, oh, man, you're a beautiful guy, he might shoot you. You know, he always wanted to be oh, tough guy. That. He wants to say, everybody know him as a tough guy. I don't take no shit. I'm a, I'm, I'm a boss. He always, and that's a fear factor, too. You know, want to be a tough guy. Nobody mess with me. Better watch it to break the knee. You know, because um, it comes from being insecure as a child. That's why I always, I was always, I always had um, a low self-esteem but a big ego. Mm-hmm. It came from fear. It came from people taking my shit or the kid beating your ass. Somebody now, took your shit, Mike? Oh, man. Come on, man. Oh, Mike Tyson man. Got Listen, bullies. Oh, man. <laughs> I would come you home. You didn't even look no, like a kid. I would come home probably with no sh- no shoes someday, no <laughs> coat after they finished. Take, take my hat and everything. Oh, God. Was it like adults fighting you or some shit? Like, what the fuck? I, once I learned how to fight, yeah, then I started fighting adults. <laughs> I was just, I was bigger than the kid, but I was just afraid, scared to death to fight. <laughs> you, what, what relationship you had with Pac? Was it like personal too, or it was right, more I'll tell like... You, we have time, so I'll tell you how this happened. One day, Magic Johnson was having one of his, he used to have his summer fest, fest parties, mm. and he was having it on sunset on the Palladium, in the Palladium. And the people who would, um Ran, I don't know, they had some kind of, they, they invested, but they had a product that um, represented, I don't know, when they did a commercial or something, they invested in some product. But they were mad that they didn't get the recognition or something. I forgot the guy. These guys always do events. And the little one of Pac's friends came up 
And he was a little guy. You could see the way he was dressed. They were in color leather. Man, I said, come on, man, let this little guy in. You know how it was when we were kids and stuff. Because, uh, man, these guys were crying about some stuff. They were crying about the uh, Magic didn't do something with the project or his team. And I was crying because I think my girlfriend or my wife, somebody left me. I know somebody <laughs> left me. We were in the limo and we were all mad. And then so... When the guy did that, at this time, I said, hey, man, you know how it is. We, we cried together. Let these guys in. And then he came back. It must have been like 50 guys. And the guy said, whoa, too much. Let's go to the back. So in the back, they let him in. Next thing you know, Pac got on stage. I don't know how he got the mic. Then he started rapping. And everybody went crazy. They loved his performance. And then everybody just came rubbing his head, holding him. He was smiling. had the biggest smile in the world. Wow. He just lit the place up. Then... Maybe three months later, I'm in prison in Indiana. Next thing I know, his mother writes and says, is it possible my son said he met you and you got him in a, a, a club and he wants to come visit you? I said, sure. And then he came to visit me in prison. Once he came to the visiting room, the people lost their mind. Wow. White guys, everybody started pulling on crazy. And then he started, so he, he got on the table we went outside for the visit. I, I said, Come down right now, please. Come down right now. Cause oh, the guy was, yeah, he's talking to all these, because you know how Pac, he's running. You know, all them bitch niggas, don't worry, this and that, them fuck. And I'm like, hey, come sit, can you please get down right now? Get down. Because we're in prison. I said, get down. So um, everybody loved him. The guard, everybody loved him. Soon they came in and started, yo, Pac, Pac. And he was crazy. He was just this guy that had this light, but some of his energy was misdirected. You know, I mean, was, you know, he he could have been such a, oh, he is such a monster. And every time I go to another country, Africa, no matter where, Spain. Oh yeah. They said what was two, They said what was two, What was Tupac like? Every place, especially on my side of America. Mm. You know, very few people ask me unless they're kids. But everywhere, even now, so what was it like being with Tupac? What was he like? What was he like all over the world? But I like said this too. Um, hip hop, hip hop helped me as well. I would never been like I am now. If it wasn't for hip hop, not that, no way, no way. You had personals. I mean, he was living with you. I mean, to me, he was. I mean, he had a heart of gold. Wow. Like, That's why I say he just wanted to be a tough guy. He wouldn't be look to be look at him as a tough like guy. Creating breakfast for you in the morning and shit. No, nah, he wasn't. He I, I was I was up early, but I but he would when he would wake up. Don't forget, there were no cell phones yet. So he would yeah. he would call the office. He goes, "What time you need me in the office today? Like, what do we need to do? Like, this is this is on the first so hour. You indirectly had Tupac as your intern, like like kind of like an nah. Intern, I, I, I looked intern. at it as like that's crazy. Like, they paid what, me man? in those days. They paid me a lot of money. Mm. And like, as I keep on saying, you, you, you treat people how you, you want to be treated, right? So, and that's, you know, and then my thing is, I'm a sports junkie, right? And then, mm. especially a basketball junkie. And my whole thing was, if I could take one kid off the street and turn their life around, oh yeah, then I did, then I did my job. So that's really where I am now. But like I said, we never had like when he smacked me that time. That you know it was it was a love thing. Like I haven't seen him. You know he went away. I, I sent him a letter or two, and then um, the whole East Coast West Coast thing. And I was the only one who was allowed to go. I had offices on both coasts, so oh, I had wow. the alcoholics and exhibit. What out here? That's right. right? And, I, and I had Wu and Mob, Pun Flex, 
on the East Coast, but, you know, my thing was always, you know. I mean, was it dangerous back then for you being an exec? I mean, I, I see white exec. interviews and stuff. Like, you know, you were in Source Magazine. You were in every magazine. Like, um, was it like with the East Coast, West Coast beef? Was it, were you worried? I, I, no. Okay. I, I did um, get a death threat one time. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was indirectly not because of me. Okay. And that had nothing to do with East Coast, West Coast. I gave you a label deal. I give you a half a million dollar signing advance. Mm. You sign Mike. You owe Mike two hundred thousand dollars out of the half a million dollars I give yeah. you. You buy a house. Oh shit. Mm. And I know, he I go, know where this is going. And he goes, Where's my money? Yeah. Rifkin has your money. I have no idea who Mike even is. Mike is the one that's threatening us. Right. Yeah. Threatening she, she shot up the house. So I didn't do it with No, 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 no. <laughs> but but that's um <laughs> but, Mike is but, crazy. But but that but once we found that we squashed that in, in two fucking seconds. Yeah. Oh my god, man. Let's get into the pun thing. You know, mm-hmm. what happened to Big Pun? I'm just hearing pun. that for the first time. Yeah, like, you know, he I mean, he just heard about my kidnapping when I got kidnapped by Pun. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk off camera? <laughs> I mean, he's this not here no more, but tell me, tell me. Because when I when I think of kidnapping. From a you know from a New York perspective, right? When I think of kidnapping, I think of somebody in a room, like in the cellar, either he's tied up naked, or what was that like? What was that? <laughs> it's, it's very similar, but I was a naked or tied up. No, you they threw me in the car. Yeah. I, I was in the car with Pun. Like so they saw you on the streets and threw you in the car. They tricked me um, to come to Apollo. Some record I played, I made. I think I leaked. Probably got it from Clue or Envy. I don't know, but it was a different version. But that's during the Jay Z and Pun situation where they were like beefing with each other like clicks was like terror squad and rockefeller it was too much going on i'm sure you could talk, give us a little tidbit on that but to fast forward i got tricked i went to apollo and then i saw some puerto ricans in the bends and i thought it was cool i thought they were gonna pay me to dj with flex but they didn't know who who kid was you know because my mo was i was leaking stealing everybody's song but you never caught me but banned from TV, the music video was getting <laughs> shot. Somebody brought the tape to the video shoot. Nori, Nas, everybody's hearing this beef song or whatever. I don't even listen to lyrics, Mike. So I don't know. I'm just leaking, trying to make money. That song got pun so mad that he called me. What did he say about him? There was no, what did he say about him? Something about dissing him, his mom, everything. Like, who knows? I heard it back again, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I played this shit. But I was the only one who played it. That's why he targeted me. So he tricked me to, to meet him in Apollo. I went to a cul-de-sac. You know what that is, Mike. You know the hood. Yeah. I followed him there, and then they threw me. I, you know, they they blocked the van, blocked the view, the view of my homies. Threw me in the van because I tried to back up. But when I closed my eyes, once I closed my eyes, I was in the van. How was how high was your fear your fear level? Because once I saw him, I knew it was the tape. I knew it was the the song. You know, I was hiding, you know. Who what did he say? They smacked you, motherfucker? What? He was talking Spanish, like, I did, I born, I did, I did. Come on, come on, tell the truth, what happened? So, so the thing that's crazy, I'm kneeling, because remember, I'm in a van, so I have, I have to kneel. He's sitting, so I kneel. You can't stand in the van. Kneeling. kneeling to the dawn. Yeah, so he's like, <laughs> I hate you, Mike. You know, so I tried to like, uh, he said, yo, sit over there. I want to tell you about this whole situation. So when I got up, there's a, you know, there's a tape in my coat. Balls on the floor. And then I, I, I was like, I started screaming, ah! 
Like I was, I thought, I thought it was it. Yo, Mike, stop laughing, man. This is fucked up, man. This is fucked up shit, man. I know you love when fucked up shit happened to me, man. But uh, yeah, I, you know, he was very cool with it. He knew that I, I have no, like, I don't know what the hell was going on. He was like, obviously, you don't know what's going on, but this is what's going on. He's Who like, was he beefing with? Um, it was like the whole Rockefeller, you know, the that club situation, and you know, it's. I'm, I'm sure Rifkin had to like. I like to listen. Verify all. I mean, let, let's let Rifkin talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Let Rifkin have... not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who do you think won the beef? Someone had to win. It wasn't no. Well, the the the, the, the the thing is, I I indirectly put the song out, but they couldn't have. I think they couldn't have beef, right? Because at that time, you needed beef records to sell, like sell records. But Jay Z had the song with Rock, with uh, Foxy Brown, and then Pun had the song with Joe. So you can't have two rappers with R&B hits that was kicking ass and, you, you know, record labels can't, you know, you can't, like, mutate that. That don't make no sense. Like, it doesn't. So it's not like it was a Jay-Z song dissing, pun, and then now you could, you, know, you could put money in that. You know what I'm saying? Pun never, this is, a, for me, this is the type of guy pun was. Still not a play is out. And um, he's getting show money. Yeah, that's exactly. Right? So... He comes back with the most beautiful Cuban link bracelet. That's mm. a big punish. The big shit. The big ones. Right? And um, I'm like, man, that's some bracelet. Like, show money. I mean, you know, we were just talking about, like, how much he was getting a show. And I think, I think he was getting, like, 20000 a pop in wow. the, those days. Back which then, back It's crazy. You know, in those days, you could do three shows a night, especially in New York. Right? So I was like, that. he goes, man, I'm going to get you one if we go gold. I'm like, pun. We're shipping gold. Like, stop it. Oh snap! He goes. I go. We're shipping a million, like, and I don't want one. He goes. If we do two million, I'm like, I'm gonna get you a bracelet. I said, pun. We're gonna do at least three to four million. Like, stop it. And I don't want. It. <laughs> he, he goes. Whatever. So, he, we agree on a number on three million. Wow. A year comes by, and um, one of not my not my my A&R, but one of my marketing guys comes. He goes. Pun wants to um, come and talk about the second record. I'm like, does Joe know? He goes, don't forget, he was signed to Joe. Mm -hmm. He goes, Joe's coming. Joe's going to be in the meeting. I'm like, as long as Joe knows, you know, and they, they were brothers, and I would never make, if I spoke to Pun just to see how he was feeling, I would always call Joe and say, Joe, I just spoke to Pun. See how, you know, just that's how I'm always just transparent with everybody that I'm in business with. So Pun comes. And he gained more weight than mm -hmm. he did. And um, he sits down. And I was just fucking around. I said, man, you're full of shit. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you said you were going to get me a bracelet at $3 million. I'm, I'm literally fucking around. Yeah. And we're, we're closing in on four. And um, where's my fucking bracelet? He takes out a box and he throws it at me. And it's the bracelet with, <laughs> with, with, with my name on it. What? So, and that was our relationship. It was just always like, you give your word, you know. Oh, yeah. It, it's your word. I've never seen him scream. I've never seen him. Like, I've had some laugh. Like, he did a joke on me one time. It almost killed me. Oh, you were hard? You were like. I no, I came. He introduced <laughs> me to Remy. Oh, wow. Right? So. His, he's redoing his house where he just bought a house, but he was staying at the White Plains Hotel. I forget, I think the, the plaza in the White, mm. the White Plains. And I go to his room, doors open, and he's acting like he's fucking dead. 
Oh, hell no. Right? What? And it literally almost killed me. Until oh, I was like, wow. man, I started screaming, like, somebody called 911, somebody called 911. He's still going through with it. Like, and he's like, until he just starts laughing his ass off. He goes, man, you really love me. You really love me. I'm like, you fuck, motherfucker. Man? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Your label was very on some, like, close relationship type shit. Almost everybody. Yeah, because, yeah. listen, you know, to, to this day, have you ever had a manager before? Mm, somewhat. You have, right? Yeah. What's that? A manager, or, you know, like yeah, yeah. Over your shit, yeah. At the end of the day, you need the artist or your client to be happy and to understand what's going on, right? So, because if you say, "Hey, Mike, I need you to go to Atlanta and go to B one hundred three and see Greg Street," you mm -hmm. know, and if you're bitching about the label or bitching about me or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's so it's just to me, it's about transparency and saying, "All right, this is why we got to go." to be 103 and see Greg or this, that, or, you know. And I'll tell you, because I won't fight over money. I had a group called Dead Prez who would, who, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? But, 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 thir but 30 years later, we're, we're great now. You know, they would just fuck the system. Okay. Right? And yeah, and they said, you know, I, I, I own this, I own that. But, but we made peace. And to me, if we were on the same page, if I had that, if I had the relationship that I had with Riza, Ray, and Meth, and Ghost that I had with Stick and M1 in those days, yeah. they would have been the biggest group I ever had in my life. Yeah, that record, man. I mean, 50 Cent did that freestyle over. Yeah. Hip, hop, man. Yeah, that's a huge record, man. But I, I guess there was issues back then that kind of like made Man, this is what rough. I wanted to talk about. Mm. What percentage are of the artists will be able to retire after they finish um, six, um, retire successfully financially after they finish. You say, I don't want to do it no more. How many, and what percentage that really happens? That they live the, lash, the lavish life like Puffy and those guys. What's that percentage? Um, that was signed to me? No, or, about in, general, in general, the business. Yours too, though. Yeah. I mean, overall, I want to say 2% tops. Wow. That's low. I mean, that could really live the life that Puff lives. Or Joe J lives. I think it's the same way in fighting too, matter of or, fact. And not only fighting, I think in in all, in, in all sports, yeah, right? In, yeah. Even acting or just. We're all, we're all um, trying to reach that level, that ceiling that they started for us. That's what it is, you know. Yeah, you're right. That's low as fuck. Yeah, but that two percent is being inspired by that and that tenth of a percent, the greats, you know. It's all about what what inspires you. Who, who did you used to hang with in Wu-Tang? Who, who were you close with? I like Ray Kwan. I never hung out with Rizzo, hmm. but Ray and those guys. And then one of these niggas said, I don't know, <laughs> that I robbed his moms. What are you talking about, yo? What? One of these guys, what was this guy? Wu-Tang? What was this guy name? <laughs> was it, uh... It was like, was it you got one? Of yeah, guys? one of those guys. Yeah. You remember that too? I, I saw it somewhere. Yeah, Rob. But that's mom. like back in the days. Like, yeah, that robbed his mom. mom in the street somewhere. Well, I, was, I took a bracelet and yeah. ear, ear, I guess it, earrings. But I told him, um, I'll make up for it because I have money now. <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to base bango earrings? Yo, the bracelet. You get a rumor out the way. I heard uh, uh, ODB robbed. 
like your speakers. Nah, he didn't rob it. He didn't rob it. He, didn't he rob went it. in your office and took all the speakers. That was an interesting guy. <laughs> oh, that was an interesting yeah. guy. He get this so, out of the way, man. All right, so <laughs> no, nah, nah, he didn't rob. So th- th- this <laughs> this was the story. He called me up and he says, "The speakers in the conference room. Can I have them?" Oh shit! Okay. I'm like, what do you need him for? He goes, I'm going. I'm cutting some stuff or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't give up. Like, they're speakers. I mean, right? <sighs> so he comes in. The problem was we were having a staff meeting. I wasn't there. I was in L.A. Oh, so the staff was like, what the? <laughs> so he goes in and, and and takes the fucking speakers. And everybody's like, yo, he, he took them shit right, out of here. Right. Like, so then, Rich, who is my president and my childhood best friend, calls me up. He goes. Did you tell Dirty? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, why didn't you tell me? Everybody's freaking out that he stole the... I'm like, he didn't steal shit. Like, he called. Like, <laughs> So I'll tell you, this is, but Dirty also had an amazing heart. I introduced Dirty to Quincy Jones. Wow. We had the same... What did we have? What's that guy named? This Polish gentleman. We, we had the same... What was it? Do I call my psychiatrist? No, I told my psych doctor. Maybe my psych doctor. <laughs> That's a good word for him. And he told me his name is Russell, huh? Uh, yeah, Russell Jones. Yeah, he'd always wear Russell this, Russell that, yeah, yeah. Russell this. How was it to control ODB? Like, there was no control, yeah, huh? You, you, I just hang with him. He did drop the hot night. I mean, just stuff. like, you, the mania. to me, <laughs> it's, you let, you, 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 you can't, like when I was here, the, the, not the, the last time I was here, just listening to you guys, right? You were talking about your tigers, mm-hmm. right? You, you just gotta let people be people, like, mm. and just like, and there, and there has to be a trust. So when he did, we were up for the two or three Grammys and he bought these suits. He bought a suit. I was there. I mean, red suit, what was that suit he had? Yeah, with the Wu-Tang for the children. <laughs> oh, Mike right? is everywhere, man. So, Mike, so I live across the street from Radio City. So I'm having like a cocktail party. I already knew we lost. So I, I was pissed because, you know, you get mm-hmm. the call, they weren't really showing hip-hop then, right? Oh, okay. So the publicity people said, hey, it's, t- it's time to go. I'm like, I'm not going. He goes, so he goes, what do you mean you're not going? I said, we lost. He goes, what do you mean we lost? I said, I got the call hours ago. We, we, you know, we lost. He goes, I bought this fucking suit for no fucking reason, like this, that, <laughs> or whatever. He goes, I'll be right back. So I live diagonally, Radio City's on 51st Street. I lived on 55th Street and 6th. And he goes, I'm watching a meeting, I'm watching the Grammys. And all of a sudden, I see him on stage and said, Wu-Tang is for the children. Wow. Fire. He comes walking back to my house, <laughs> knocks on the fucking door, and he says, how'd I do? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I said, you'll probably be the biggest celebrity in the world within the next 20 minutes. Right? And the phones just start ringing and start ringing. And then, like, Howard Stern called him. Wow. And he did Howard Stern the next morning. I mean, it it was... You never had a ball, huh? You had a ball with that shit, huh? Was it it your idea to put him with R&B singers? Like, the the most two different... Like, he's ODB and Mariah Carey, like... No, that was Mariah, actually. Oh, Mariah Carey called for him? Yeah. Holy shit. Because that was her song. That wasn't his. Yeah. That is crazy. I thought y'all were like concocting because I remember back then R&B was kicking mm-hmm. ass and hip hop was like second. No, but even when Pun did the Joe record, that was Pun and Joe. Wow. 
Was it like a, a war zone out there with all the other labels? Like every time somebody dropped, you'd be in the office like, what the fuck, man? And then you got to put another song out. You got you got Rockefeller, you got Def Jam, you got Sony, you got A lot Tribe. of competition, though. You nah, got all this yeah. shit going well, on, like you know, all these labels. Like, but, but at the end of the day, it's like, you got to worry about yourself, right? So when you're running a race, if you look over your shoulder, you're going to trip. Oh, shit. So I, I just stay focused on us. Like, I was happy for Dame and Jay. Matter of fact, I was in business with them. We did paid in full together. That's right. Wow. So, so at, at the end of the day, I, ju I just focused on us being the best label that we could possibly be and sign the best artists that we could possibly have. You know, I was happy for Jay. We are, you know, there were times, you know, I would want to smack the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, Russell, you know, my dad gave Russell his first record deal. Wow. With Jimmy Spice, a dollar bill, y'all. So I've known Russell since I'm 17 years old. So. When was a thug? Huh? huh? When was a thug, huh? Tough thug. Who, Russell? Yeah. That, that was never him. <laughs> no, but listen, um, no. I remember, listen, if you would know, Russell never looked like that all the time. I listened when the 80s, he didn't look like He had the rough beard and the balls were looking tough, got the hat on. Chain smoking. Got the big, tough black guy with him. Oh, yeah, he used to have some big goons with him all the time. He had Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> That's his cousin, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny we're talking about looks. In the Wu-Tang uh, TV show, why they made you look dirty? Like, you were like the guy that was swagged out back in the days. You always had all the ill gear. Like, you almost looked Puerto Rican. Like, why they make you look like that? I don't this know. dirty white I mean, I, I had a conversation with her. <laughs> I, 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 wasn't, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't really worried how I looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was more upset on how they um, portrayed my dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, if you met my dad, like, you know when you could see somebody's eyes? Like, he could kill you with his eyes. Oh, wow. Like, he doesn't have... He Menacing. Never, he never raised his voice. He never did this. It was always, like, pointing a finger here, doing this, that, or whatever. And um, my dad had a pass in every fucking city you ever went to. So, but they portrayed him as, this, like, if you thought that I look corny. They, oh, they, they defied him, like, worse than that? Like, yeah. cornier? Like, what? Yeah. yeah. Like know. an accountant. Oh, hell no. Your father? Yeah. So that, and, my, and, I, and I just lost him at the time, too. So I was, I was mm. really upset. Oh, man. So you were furious. I know Rizzo was trying to do a favor by putting mm -hmm. him in there. Yeah. But... The wrong writers was right. Yeah, and nobody, and nobody knew. Yeah. I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready to tell these people about your father, your family yet? Um. Hey, don't do it if it's not cool yet. I mean, I mean, James Brown is enough for me. Holy shit! I never even, I never knew this. That's insane. You know, my dad knew some. Um, my dad and my uncle and my grandfather. Um knew some pretty powerful people. You know, you interviewed one of them, I told you one time. Mike, my, my, yeah. Mike Fanchese. Wow. So, I talked to him two days ago. <laughs> yeah, of course, Mike. Mike is gangster. Yeah, nah, so Michael's dad, who to me was probably the most powerful Italian beside Bucky Luciano. Oh, wow. Um, was best friends with my grandfather. Grew up with my grandfather. Wow. So they were... Tweet, by any chance, can we hear your grandfather's name or something? Oh, my grandfather's name was Harry. Right, and, Harry. You know what? No, and his nickname was One Punch Harry. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
One punch Harry, y'all. <laughs> I mean, you being uh, a kid at that time, like, how was the interaction? You were really away just getting in trouble and steering clear? You know, my grandfather told me this. Every time, I could, he could just be at my house and I could see him 10 times. I would have to kiss him hello and kiss him goodbye. Oh, every, shit. Every time I saw him. And I said to him, I said, Grandpa, why do I have to kiss you? He goes, you never know, this might be the last time you ever see me. And you, oh, gotta, and you gotta do the same thing to your father and, and your uncle. Wow. Um, you know, they, they just came from a, di a, a different school of respect. Like, they respected the world, but if you crossed them, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I, I found out a, a few months ago movie the bronx tale when they shut the club down yeah with the bike with the bike yeah i didn't realize my grandfather was in there my father was in there um like in the real yeah in the real deal yeah and michael's father was in there and you yeah. met michael before yeah michael I, I looked at him as always you know he's older than me but i I looked up to him as a big bro. I never saw a guy, you know, that young, you know, driving a Mercedes. And like I said, I've always just looked at people for how they, they treated me. I was told the most gangster shit in the world is <clears throat> changing your life around. <clears throat> and I texted that to him. Shit, man. Michael did a movie called Knights of the City. And it was supposed to be a breakdance movie. So he hired me to um, do the soundtrack as a soundtrack supervisor. So Curtis Russell brings in um, Curtis Blow. This, so this is 90. When did the Fat Boys come out? Uh, 90. No, not 90. No, 80s. 87. 85. Really? 84. Early, well, yeah. Do you know what, you, know, you know what they were called before the Fat Boys? No. What they Disco 3. Oh, shit. Fat Boys were better. So, um, too, man. so Curtis brought the Fat Boys up to the office, and they're doing the snake on the floor. Oh, no. Hell no. Right? And so... <laughs> Michael was there, and, and like, Michael had an eye for talent. Like, he goes, I got to put them in the movie. And wow. he did. And he, they were in the movie with, with Curtis. You know, it was Curtis discovered the fat boy. That's crazy. Fat boy. Yeah. We're down by law. I'm going to eat it down there. <laughs> Yeah, well, th that, it started, but it, it, it really jump-started their career. Because they were still, when the Fat Boys, they were called the Disco 3 when we put them in the movie. Then they changed the name to Fat, Fat Boys. The Fat Boys. Man. And then Crush Groove came, and that scene uh, where there was or something, like, you know, and they, yeah. that just took them to a whole different level. I love the Fat Boys, too. They were, <clears throat> those were the guys I saw performing in, um, Latin quarters and stuff like that. And they had that song, can you Mel yeah, yeah. Melly Mel and yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Melly Mel, Rock the Bell. Fast forward to like the current times. When, when did you first meet Kanye? Like, I'm sure this is, everybody has a Kanye initial first meeting story. Like, the producer Kanye. Kanye did hip hop. Back then? Like, nah, he produced. He was a producer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Give us the. So I didn't know. I only met Kanye really five years ago. Really? Yeah. No, no. So we never, like, because I, you know, I let Maddie free and then Chauncey came and let them do the A&R stuff. I, you, never, you never heard me hang out in the studio. Mm. Oh, yeah. I don't ever even see nah, I mean, in the studio. <laughs> I mean, I would stay at the office till 9, 10 o'clock at night. There was a strip club called VIP. <laughs> I would hang out there. They That's let, downtown, right? Yeah, 21st <laughs> yeah. Street. They put, yeah. they, 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 they put a phone in there for me. Oh, snap. 
What? Yeah, so because I was working 24-7. So you'd be like... So <laughs> I, would go to, I would go to City Craft for dinner and then go to VIP. And just if it's DJs, don't get, we had the marketing company, I would bring clients mm-hmm. in. But I would be working wow. the, the whole time. So I never went to the studio because to me, only bad things could happen to the, in the studio. Right? So mainly A&R is kind of like dealt with Kanye more, like the sub guys. Yeah, but yeah. I met Kanye at a Japanese restaurant. He was there with somebody that worked for Lad. Yeah, Nobu or some shit? Matisa, yeah. Oh, Matisa, yeah. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I had this idea that I wanted to, um, we were going on 25 years with 36 Chambers, and I wanted to take nine of the most relevant rappers today and redo 36 Chambers. Oh, wow. And I wanted to do it with all of Kanye's artists with good music. Mm. So, I go to his office the next day, and um, he was leaving. We had the meeting, and, he, and me and Rizzo went up there, and it, it was cool. So he's talking about basketball. And he's <laughs> like, he goes, like, I'm playing in a game tomorrow at UCLA. I'm like, really? And he goes, how do I get in the game? So he goes, just come. And I said, so my son, mm. I, don't, I don't like to lose. So my son's <laughs> right over there. He played college ball. I said, can I bring my son? And he just graduated. He didn't want to play overseas. Like, right? I like, so we just started becoming cool. Mm. So like a few weeks later, he, they're wearing some sneakers I've never seen. They weren't Yeezys. They were Yeezys, but they weren't, you know, like the Yeezys. Jordan, like the no, they were, they, were, they were Yeezy sneakers, but yeah. they, they said, this is our basketball shoe. And I'm like, you're doing a basketball shoe? Wow. I said, like, do you know I consulted Nike for 12 years? I was Phil Knight's personal consultant. Like, oh, shit. So he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I consulted Phil, like, Phil Knight, before Nike, there was a company called Blue Ribbon Sports. Phil had a son named Chili T that wanted to be a rapper. His name was oh, Travis yeah. Knight. He was one of the yeah, biggest yeah. animations guys. He sent me that that so. Hank Shockley did the album. Oh, wow. From Public Enemy. Yeah. They called me to do the marketing of the album. And that's how the consulting um, began with, with Nike. So I told him that. So he goes, so he calls me out of the blue. He goes, can you come back up to the office? So I, I, I go up to Calabasas, and he goes, I want you to do this for me. I'm like, all right, no problem. But the politics with the people that work for him were blocking it, and it was just like, mm. it was just taking too long. I said, yay, I love you. Like, let's just keep on doing basketball. Um, the day before, two days before New Year's, he calls me again. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm on my way to my youngest son's game who played he played high school ball. Mm. He goes, I want you to come in and run good music for us and teach um, the guys who work there now and just mentor them. I'm like, what? I'll speak, I'll be, I'll see you in an hour, right? And um, we worked something out, but I didn't know if it was real or not, who's going to block it until New Year's Eve morning comes. He goes, what are you doing tonight? I said, nothing, Nick. I'm going to be with the kids. He goes, why don't you and the kids come up to the house for New Year's? And what I'm saying was less people at the house than there were here right now. And it was literally just family. Wow. So I said, all right, it's real. And then th- that, that's how that started our relationship. Crazy, man. And it was my first time working ever since the heart attack. But I stopped working. Mm. I'm in the thing that got my show. I was doing one of those Mike Tyson shows on the speed of him, 50 and a couple of those guys. Then we went backstage and took pictures. So it was like, you got the rapper one or the, the producer one or? Um, no, he's just who he, Kanye's just who he is. Okay. You know? 
doesn't talk to me. It's cool. That's who he is. How was that experience walking into, uh, uh, you know, good old Nori and him? Drink Chance. So, you were in that movie, you were in what? What you were just saying? Oh, no, he, in Drink Champs. He, the, no, no, I'm, I'm, I got twisted for a minute. Oh. Well, I was on Drink Champs, too. And don't they, what the fuck Nori's doing? <laughs> oh, with, with that, I mean, with I'm the whole... I'm just getting a shot. I mean, it's, it's what, I mean you, were, you were drinking those shots? <laughs> no, he was hitting those shots. He has shot. this thing called Tiger Shark or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't drink, so... <laughs> it, Listen... I'm looking at this guy take him down. Yeah, and that's for knockout. <laughs> Another one, yeah. Nah, they caught you with the you. You were out of here. I would never do that. Because oh. <laughs> I'm a I'm a junkie alcoholic as it is. Oh, okay. But um, I would never do that. But I was just looking at him, just taking those shots, taking those shots. When I first met Nori, he was he was a fake son. But now, goddamn, <laughs> all that sugar, the sugar. <laughs> That's what happens to me when I do. I'm, listen, I'm the only fat cokehead I know. Everybody else, everybody I know, I know that do fucking coke is a fucking little uh, fucking nail. Yo, like, I do coke and I'm the fathead. Me and the coke, I'm just the fathead, fat cokehead. <laughs> how's that happen? How, you how's know? your How's your blood sugar now? Everything's perfect, yeah. man. Thank God, but <laughs> I can't even believe I su- survived that shit, man. Me too. God damn. These are bad heart attacks, man. My nah. God, like a heart attack. Yeah, like. but, but quitting Coke was probably the worst thing I ever did. I mean, that was the hardest thing. The heart, really? the heart attack was easy compared to the Coke. What? Just turned you into a zombie monster. Don't care about nobody. Fuck my children. <laughs> <laughs> what? Motherfuckers. Think you become like monster. another individual, man. huh? No, you become the devil. I was, um, Super it, anti. It, it, was, it was bad. But with with drink champs, I was dropping a car off. Yeah, that's why I'm like, what is he do? How do you? Why is he in there? Like, I was like, oh shit. No, nah, I was literally when I land, one of Nori's guys gives me a car. Glee. So random like that. I had to take a piss. I'm going I'm to the from end. all this conversation that I'm hearing. You're the fucking god of hip hop, man. They're <laughs> leaving your cars. You, they get, you're like a, he walks you're like the hip hop guru. What's he that was... guy named? What's that guy named? If he comes, you give he gives you um, advice and confidence. It's our guru. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. So, wait, wait. I gotta take a piss. My girlfriend has to take a piss. And I'm like, why is there so much security? You were there. No, I saw it. I oh. saw it in the clip. So I'm like, why is there so much security here? They said Kanye's here, and I was like, I want to get the fuck out. And my girlfriend must have gotten um, lost. She goes right instead of left. Mm. So I'm, you can't scream, like, hey, you know. <laughs> so I'm trying to gra- grab her, like, let's go. And he sees me, and I haven't seen him in two years. Wow. Not that there was no beef, nothing, right? Yeah. Right. And he goes, my. And he goes, my favorite Jewish homeboy. And I was like, and this is when he, you know, and I was like, his yeah. Rant. He was going through his rant stage. Right. And you came right up. And, um, and I was like, if you play nice, you'll have the world in the palm of your hands. Mm-hmm. But is he going to play nice? He, so this is the thing. So whoever he's mad at, take it out with that person. T- to take it out on everybody else. Yeah. Is wrong, you know, and you know, and so I said, just play, like he has that personality where you want to love him, right? But just play nice and explain whatever the fuck is going through your mind. 
just explain it and you don't have to do it in an angry way. You know, and it was like the, the same thing. Um, I'm on this committee, black Jewish relations, right? And Kyrie, I don't even know what the fuck Kyrie did, but it was like, when I was taught from my father, if somebody's down, you don't kick them, you lift them up and you help them and you have a, and you have a conversation and you communicate and you, and you figure out what the problem is, right? It was wrong what the Nets and the NBA did to him. Mm. What did they do? They suspended him for yeah. like, what, 10 games? You know, stuff like that. For a movie. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm Jewish. Tell me about this movie shit. Come on. I didn't, I didn't even see the movie, right? So, but my thing is, you don't kick anybody where they're down. Like, you know, it's like, figure out what, 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 what the issue is. I, I disagree with that. Because um, if, you, if the guy's down and you don't kick him, even if you do kick him, his whole objective is to kill you. So if you let him up, he's going to kill you anyway. So that's just my objective. Has anybody ever been down? Huh? Has anybody that you know been down, where you didn't knock him down, but just got down, got whatever it was, and you give him, you lift, you give him your hand to help pick him up, and yeah. then yeah, but that we're talking about in the world. My my objective is to um, dismantle you. If I don't do it, he's gonna do it, and that's the world we live in too. No. Unless we become one. When I got fired from the company I started. Wow from Sony, I couldn't have been more depressed, more down. I didn't get out of bed for two, three fucking days. My wife at the time calls Heavy D. They were like brother and mm -hmm. sister. Wow. Hev comes to the house with my dad. Smacks me in the face. Not, you know, yeah, like, 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 like. Anybody smacks you, man. <laughs> no, nah, just. Damn. Yeah. Well, I smack this guy, yo. Nah, you, know, <laughs> in, you know, and he said, this should be the best day of your career. You've been asking for this day for years. Because I, I was miserable being at Sony. Go in the shower, let's go to lunch. And he, like, and he motivated me. The next day, I did a deal with Universal, started a new company. Two weeks later, Instead of feeling sorry for myself, I found an artist by the name of Akon. Oh, wow. We interviewed him too. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, if you see somebody down, like, not necessarily they're going to kill you. Like, you, they, you might be down for mental reasons. I, I was down. I wouldn't get a, I was feeling sorry for myself. I was playing the victim myself. Mm. In my um, situation, we know, our, we know what we're here for. Yeah. And that's why maybe, maybe in a situation as a normal person, yeah, but somebody that we both know what we're here for, you know, no one gets up. It's just dumb of you. Yeah, you, you, when, that, that part I'm not disagreeing yeah. with what you're saying. But I'm I'm talking about where it's it's a mental thing. Oh, I'm I'm a big um, believer in mercy and forgiveness, but some people um, they don't believe in that. Do you feel that Kanye gets uh, forgiven for a lot of stuff he does, like or over no, and over? I, or I think somebody, I think Kanye really. First of all. The people on Kanye's team, and I hope they're listening to this, really speak their truth. Like they just still yes him to death. Yeah. Right? And he needs people who are gonna say, hey, you're wrong, or try doing it this way, or try doing it that way, instead of saying yes, 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 yes. And that that's, you know. I just wanna know this. What do they mean when they say Kanye's saying is right. What does that mean? I hear people say he's right. What does that mean? Have you ever heard that? Regarding the Hitler yeah. thing? Yeah. No. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. What the fuck? No, no, no. 
What's that about? See, Kanye, right? Kanye could uh, ignite people who hate him to attack those people and make it all right. Like he get some some Nazi, some guys that can inspire one of them. Because everybody's saying, you're right, you're right, you're right. You did? You no, know, that's where, um, and, and that's where he has to like talk to somebody and just instead of going public with this because you have such a following and people listen to every word that you say. Like, I, I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I didn't know on my mother's side of the family, 85% of her family got killed in the Holocaust. Mm. My mom, as I said, she smokes five joints a day. 80, she's 89 years old. She called me, I've, never, I've seen my mother cry once when my dad passed. She called me and said, what is he fucking doing? Mm. She gets it. She gets it. So it's if but, one pamphlet could fucking ignite people. Imagine what a, somebody with that fame can do. You know, it, it's just the I guess when they take advantage of the media because I think he put the list up of Hollywood. That's where the yes thing came from. He's right because the list was like this guy who runs this department in Hollywood is Jewish. This guy who runs like this this company is Jewish. So he put the list up. So everybody was like, yeah, he's right. But it's like you're dealing with like the abuse of like putting it out there like and it's uncontrollable so you got there's a lot of ignorant people out no here. listen if you put something out out there you have to take responsibility for that's what it. i'm saying yeah yeah does he really want to have blood on his hands which that again i don't think that's in his dna whatever he's angry about that he got a bad record deal mm. it should be an individual like like energy put on like, that one person figure that out like yeah. speak to your lawyer like, that that's not, I know Jay and Dane would never cross you. Wow. Right? So who was who your lawyer who did that deal? Right? And understand the, the business. Right? I mean, everybody like signed, like when I did my first deal, I didn't know what the fuck I was signing. I signed it. And then I had, I knew like because of my dyslexia, I knew what my weakness was, right? So I brought in my childhood best friend who knew he was gonna be a lawyer at the age of 10. His name is Rich Isaacson. I'm like, what's a lawyer? I didn't even understand what a lawyer was. And he went to an Ivy League school, he went to an Ivy League law school, working at one of those top firms out of law school, making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. And I convinced him to quit. Oh, wow. He was making literally $275,000 a year. I said, I can only afford to give you $50,000 a year and I'll give you 20% of the company. And he did it. And I had somebody that I trusted with my life that would go, and he didn't practice law anymore with me, mm -hmm. but he made sure everything was there. And he never got the credit enough, you know, with me was I was always the, the front guy, yeah. but I really owed him a lot because there was one like when we were selling to Sony, he was the one, not the lawyers that we paid millions of dollars to. Oh, where, shit. where, but he was the one that found a loophole in the deal that we would still get royalties on Wu Tang's first album, Mob Deep's first album, and Raekwon's first album for life. Wow. And that was him. So, Rich, I don't know if I ever thanked you personally, but thank you again. How do the artists feel about that? 
the, the artists were still getting paid. This, yeah. was, this, was, this was coming from the Sony end. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Though. Yeah. Like get, I said, I mean, do, do you get annoyed with the whole stigma of like the Jews run everything? Like we've been hearing this for like as long as I've been in the industry, it's the same shit. Jews run this, Jews run that. For you being Jewish, like, what's your view on that? That stigma. It, it's, I mean, I'm Jewish. It, it's it, it's it's fucked up. The best people should have the best jobs, mm -hmm. right? So, if you understand the business and you that you're in and you respect the business that you're in. I think the reason why I have such longevity is I show the respect to the artist and I show respect to the business. And to me, music is the closest thing to God. Music is probably the thing that saved my life, right? It mm -hmm. can make you laugh, it can make you cry. I never consider myself an A&R guy. I always consider myself a promotion guy. So that's really, you know, where I come from. So. It should be the best person who has the best job. I mean, who's qualified for the best job. Exactly. You think you met your biggest fear by having your heart attack? What's your biggest fear? Having my heart attack, my two biggest fears in life are having, my, having a heart attack and tearing my Achilles. Ooh. And I did both. I died three times. Hey, tell us a little bit about that. I see, I see him over here shaking his head. What's yeah. that mean? I mean, I was just talking about it. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm pointing. I'm, 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 I'm pointing. I'm, point, I'm pointing to my son. Did you see that shit going? What the fuck you doing, man? Um, it was. I was living. I was living here, but I was also living at my ex-wife's guest house in Boca. Okay. How'd that happen? Tell me how that works out. Show me. I paid her rent for the guest house. <laughs> <laughs> he was a senior. I keep on pointing to him, but my son Alex was a senior in high school, and I said he ended up playing college ball. And um, hey, this your boy right here, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean you keep missing? Who are you pointing at? Well, you can't see him oh. on camera, so I'm, I'm just pointing to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> That's it right there. Um, the homie right there. <laughs> so it was Christmas Eve, and me, him, and my youngest son were playing basketball, mm -hmm. and. I couldn't breathe. I wasn't having chest pains, I was having back pains. Oh, wow. And I walk into the house and um, his mom was setting up Christmas dinner for the, for, for, you know, the next day. And um, I'm like, something's the matter. She goes, just take a shower and go to sleep. And um, I walk into the guest house, I called 911, I take a Xanax, maybe think of us having a panic attack. Took a shower, the ambulance came and we were talking about it earlier, thinking that all my vitals were fine. I said, no, we got to take you in right now. And I, fat, I flatlined in the ambulance. Um, and then I flatlined two other times in the hospital. And then, right. they, I mean, I got a battery on my side that just keeps my heart going. And then when I finally came through, you know, that, that breathing tube, I just I fucked up my, I ripped it out. And I screwed up my whole larynx. I, could, I couldn't talk for like five months. Yeah. So, and I didn't know how severe the heart attack was. It was my first time ever in the hospital. I was in St. Paul's telling everybody to leave. I thought, hey, yo, yo, hey, man, see Steve Buff, he lived in my complex. He lived in my complex mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, and, the only, and the, uh, they all said, well, how's he doing? Is he okay? And yeah. so in my mind, I'm saying, something must have happened for everybody to keep saying, is he okay? How's he look? I said, he looks good to me. So that's why I was trying to get that out of you when last time we was on the phone. He dissed it from you. I'll be in Boca tomorrow. 
We'd be there in three days. We live in the same circumference. <laughs> yeah, not far from each other. That's crazy. Like 10 houses away. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. so, how, so how's life over there? It's good? You love it? The weather? I love Perfect. it because we went there for my kids. Okay. You know, this is the less we smoked weed on any show we ever been on. But um, Bo Boca's boring, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. It's flat. It's boring. I don't see it being boring because everybody from Brooklyn is up there, you know? <laughs> everybody from fucking Brooklyn. People I know from my childhood in school. <sighs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, everybody in Brooklyn's up there. In Boca? <laughs> yeah, Miami, oh, yeah. Um, for Lauderdale, yeah. Boca, everybody's Brooklyn. So, so life now, obviously your children is where you see happiness. Is there anything else? Like, you know? Yeah, man, we just started um, a new label. Named okay. it at, we took my dad's old name. Oh, wow. And um, I can't make the announcement yet. I wanted to do it here, but... Um, you just did. Nah, <laughs> no, not, not the label. The high he's getting contact from your week. Nah. <laughs> so there's... Um, I love. We're doing something major. Not the label. Okay. Um, August 19th and 20th in Atlantic City. Oh, wow. So what's, it's going to be um, Loud Records again? No, it's, no the, the, name of the, the name of the label is called Spring Records, which was my dad's label. So this is called Spring Sound. But we're doing something really, really special to celebrate the 50 years of hip-hop in Atlantic City. Hey, did your grandfather ever talk about Luciano? Lucky? Yeah. Yeah. They all, grew up, they, they all grew up together. That is like you know the Italian and the, the Jews. You mean they were they were one. They used to fight all the time. They always fought though. But mm. that's right. how he met Maya Lansky and Bugsy through the book. His book. I read his mm. book. They're trying to rob Maya and Bugsy, and Bugsy mm. got them. Bugsy got them laid. He was the man with the women. He was yeah. the little girl. He was the he, he was he was what? the sex symbol. Yeah. The Mac. No, for real. Bugsy Siegel was the man as kids. What? Yeah, he was the man with the women. Fuck <laughs> you. Yeah, but yeah, so but yeah, my my grandfather, I think about him every single day, man. It was just like what a life he had and he made it. He didn't succumb to it. Before we get out of here, R.P. Chris Lighty, you know, I mean Chris Lighty had yeah. almost every artist managing everybody over there. I mean, was that was that a big blow when he Hip hop took him some weird ass oh, way. Oh, when I got the call? Yeah, when you got the call, I know you were like, what the fuck, man? I, I didn't think it was true. Yeah, I, 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 I still I don't know. think it's true. Like, hey, hey, love, regardless of what we think, it all stemmed and from love. I was told that love is the slowest and most direct form of death, suicide, to respect. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. Yeah. I love your quotes in the morning that you said. I like sending them too. People send me some. Let's yeah. just um, keep us balanced because we don't know how this day is going to end. You may not yeah. finish with the day. But it's, 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 it's good that he say that, but it, it was a fishy suicide. It wasn't like, it was very weird. Like, Listen, I, I ain't buying that. Yeah, you're right. You just got um, to know when, um, you just have to know when, like, to fold. You got to know when to fold. You can't let the rent space in your mind. Right. You know, my grandfather always said this to me, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get up. Mm -hmm. Not many people get up. I know it sounds corny, but not many people get up after they get knocked down. Well, Mike saying that, who knocked out like 
100 people. <laughs> I know they take the, listen, um, it's up to them if they want to get up. <laughs> I can see if you get hit on the jaw, you don't see the punch, and you get knocked out cold, but yeah. if you get hit to the body, it depends on how, how much you want to take. So, how hard did you hit Michael Spinks that night? <laughs> I mean, and he could have gotten up, right, or no? He just took the check. I like to think he could have got up. <laughs> I know I hit one guy. I hit one guy. I know I didn't hit him. I said, I didn't hit him, babe. I'm telling you, I know I didn't hit this nigga. I did not hit this nigga. I, no, I'm serious, man. I didn't hit him and he went down. I did not hit him. You mentally scared him? I, I, no, listen, he had a heart attack before I had that. <laughs> no, he would, when he would walk into the ring, I would be just watching it on TV. I'd be like, holy shit. <laughs> Are you one of those guys that paid like 10 G's to be in the front and you go take a picture? No, and come I, back? I, no, and I, would, no I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do I would. I would prefer just watching it on, on TV so you could keep on watching it over and over again. Yeah. You blink, it's over. <laughs> you can't pee. You can't I mean, this piss fight on a Mike what, Tyson fight. 48 seconds? Yeah, like 90 You can't seconds. leave the yeah. piss on a Mike Tyson fight. But no listen, way. know who used to go to fights when the, in the 1986 and stuff? 87 MC Shan. He used to be at the fights. Oh, wow. He's the first rapper to be at fights. That's fire, man. He's crazy, too. Well, on that note, we out of here, Mike. We okay, hey, look, guys. To the sunset. The rough again, I'd like to give you a present. Hot box and dot. Hot box and dot store. Hot box and dot store. <laughs> Hot box and dot store. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what the hell, man? I can't even curse on this thing no more. Alright, please, Mr. Ruffin. Hot box and dot store. Yes, Mike. Is um giving you a little Thank gift you, champ. Here. And on this hand, you're gonna if I'm gonna give smoke. to my kids. I'm gonna give to my kids. Well maybe uh your mom's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Enlightenment. I should bring it to your house. I mean, it should. Perfect. Thank you. Fire. I'll be there tomorrow. And so, so listen, brother. Stephen Rifkin, the whole world is looking at you. Really, what do you want them to know about you? How do they get in touch with you? How do they get some of your um, enterprisal business sense? Just, what is it? Uh, at Steve Rifkin. Right, Corey? <laughs> well, at at Steve Rifkin. That easy? That's it. <laughs> okay. Let's, you know, normally we have guys, no, hey, I got I got jam out, two, four, six, eight, <laughs> and jelly on the nine and around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> .org. .org. Oh, this is a uh, this is really awesome. Yeah, now, this was, was great. Yeah. Okay, another episode of Hot Boxing is finished. I'm Mike Tyson. And I'm who kid. And our guest Stephen Rifkin. And this is a hell of a show. And this is my favorite podcast of all time. Like, you heard the man say it. Boo-hoo-boo-hoo. <laughs> 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 <laughs>